online at 960thebull.com. Your home for CBS Sports Radio, WRNS Kinston, Sports Talk 960 The Bull. CBS Sports Radio. And welcome to Hour 2 of the Brian Hanks Show, presented by Lenore Community College. Kind of a bittersweet hump day here on the show. We are uh, all, the whole first hour, except for when we were doing the birthday game, talking about uh, uh, the Wood Ducks. The Down East Wood Ducks have, are, have been sold or are in the process of being sold right now. And uh, don't know don't know many of the details. Just, again, got to, uh, got to credit uh, Patrick Johnson for uh, breaking that news yesterday. But, uh, listen, we talked about it uh, a lot of the last hour with Junior Smith III, with Scott Whittington. If you would like to hear that conversation, uh, then uh, go to brianhanks.com. Go to... Uh, SoundCloud, you can find it there. Go to any of our social media. You can check all that stuff out there. We talked about uh, playoffs in the uh, high school sports playoffs. Had a lot of wins last night with uh, our teams. So uh, just very excited. Good, Like I said, just kind of bittersweet. Good day in some ways, bad days in other, bad day in other ways as uh, we're heartbroken about losing our uh, minor league baseball team here in Kenston. And, but uh, I tell you what. We're going to have uh, joining us here. In fact, joining us right now on our Spence Automotive guest line, uh, one of the good guys out there. You you know, if you meet him, you love him. It's Chris Edwards from Duke University Baseball, Duke University Women's Basketball. And I tell you what, I don't even know where to start with you today, dude. we got so much to talk about. But I tell you what, first off, how about this? Good morning, my friend. Good morning. Maybe if you meet him, you loathe him. How about that? No, 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 dude. I have not met anybody yet. Who would say that about you, Chris Edwards? I mean, you are—I uh, believe I've said this many times—and I mean, you're a—you're uh, you're an announce, you're a play-by-play man's play-by-play man. You're—you're you're the Bill Burr of uh, of uh, play-by-play. Like I said, man, just everybody who meets you uh, comes away. You're, you're that guy. I've talked. I've, I've talked about you behind your back. Now I'm going to talk about you to your face. Well, not really to your face, since we're doing this on radio. But you know what I mean. But I know what you're, you're that guy that uh, people, when they talk to you, they walk away from you feeling like the most special person in the world, man. You just, you have that effect on people. You're not that guy that when you're talking to, especially when you're in person, I mean, you meet the person's eye. You're not looking over the person's shoulder to see who you can talk to next. You give that person your complete attention. And dude, you're just, again, dude, one of the good guys. Everybody loves you, man. Oh, it's good to be with you as always, Brian. Well, tell you what, man, again, we've got so much to talk about, and I, I would be remiss if we didn't start with this. Uh, man, Duke University baseball right now. Yeah, coming off a tough loss last night, uh, and I'll let you tell us a little bit about that real quick, but i tell you what, a, a historic season going on up there in Durham right now, Chris. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and it's kind of, to me, come out of nowhere. You know, I think we talked before the season, and I told you, I think they're going to be better than they were last year. I was thinking, you know, somewhere eight to ten-ish wins better than last year. I don't think I saw, what, almost 20 games over 500 good. Um, and they're just, I mean, it, they love each other. They play for each other. This team refuses to lose. I mean, the way they won some games this year, you think about the Louisville series before the exams, I don't know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, where they score four times in the ninth inning on a walk-off grand slam. <laughs> Sunday, they're down six runs at one point in the game, and they scored nine runs in the bottom of the eighth inning to win the game. They just find new ways to win. They love playing for each other. This is the most selfless group that I think I've ever been around. 
and it's just a lot of fun to watch. And you mentioned the tough loss last night. Well, Riders really, really good. Uh, they're a team that's probably going to win the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. They're going to be an NCAA tournament team. And they're one of those teams that if you're a one seed and you get them as your four, you're, you're sweating a little bit because they're pretty good. But, yeah, a lot of fun. A lot left to play for for the Blue Devils. Two really important ACC series against Georgia Tech this weekend at Miami next weekend. And you go four and two in those six games, you never know where the Blue Devils might land, but they could be at home for the conference tournament, a regional and a super regional, which is crazy to think about. It is 32 and 14 overall right now, 14 and nine and the ACC. And we all know how tough the ACC is. I mean, just to have the kind of effort that you guys are, hey, you guys, like, hey, you're out there with a, uh, with a bat and a ball and a glove, right? <laughs> Well, if I was out there, we would we'd probably be 20 games under 500. <laughs> Whatever, man. But, uh, man, uh, again, uh, but you have another shot at Ryder. If I'm looking at the schedule, yeah. right, you play them again tonight, correct? Yeah, well, two-game mini-series, which is really neat. I mean, they're an old team. And it's, I told Coach Pollard that's his game last night, and I think this is probably true. You never want to lose, and you're not into moral victories. But playing a game like this against a really good team that you could see in the NCAA tournament in May is probably a good thing for this team. And maybe – getting punched in the mouth a little bit last night will help and hopefully the Blue Devils come out tonight and play a little better and figure out the offense they left 11 guys on base last night left the base loaded twice in the eighth and in the ninth so hopefully there's some lessons you can take away from a game like that last night absolutely again that voice you're listening to is Chris Edwards he's the uh, play-by-play voice of uh, Duke University baseball and women's basketball and Man, just uh, again, it's like you said. I had no idea they were going to have the kind of success. What do you What do you attribute it to? Why Why has Duke been as good as they are, even in the top ten nationally? Uh, all that. What has been the secret to the success, Chris? Yeah, I think it's the leadership, Brian, and and I think it's you know guys like Alex Mooney who are back for a second year. Coaches really quick to credit the graduate transfers too: Josh Solomon and Jason White and Alex Gow and MJ Metz. And, just the way they've bought into what this team uh, has wanted to do and has been able to accomplish. And it's a loose group. I mean, if you watch some of the videos, they're up there dancing. I remember <laughs> about a month ago, we're playing Campbell. We're on the road at Campbell. It's a, a one-run game. It's a two-to-one game in like the seventh inning. And those guys are out there dancing to the YMCA in the middle of a game. And I was like, what are we doing? Uh, and they're just out there having fun. They don't care. You know, they're cheering for each other. Nobody pulls harder for their teammates in this group. And I think that's a big part of it. You know, you look forward to coming to the ballpark every day. These guys look forward to being around one another. And, you know, you're around everybody on a college baseball team. Players are around each other from, what, November to hopefully June. That's a long time. Uh, and, and these guys just seem to love each other. And they've talked about it before, how they just get to hang out and they come and they play baseball while they're hanging out. So I think that's the biggest part is just how much fun this group has how much they love each other, and obviously they're pretty talented too. Well, t- give us a look at the ACC. Uh, you guys play. Uh, you guys went up to Charlottesville a couple of weeks ago and uh, r- ripped the heart out of the chest of uh, the Cavaliers. And I mean, the score that stood out the most to me was the, the opener of the series. When you win that game, seventeen to five, you drop game two, but then you turn around and you take the series with a seven to three victory. 
I really thought Virginia was going to be the class of the ACC, and I'm not saying they're not. I mean, heck, they're 37 and 11 right now. That's a that's pretty good in in a lot of places. But uh, uh, talk a little bit about that series. Tell me a little bit about. Uh, I can't believe I just gave you a talk about question. But uh, tell me a little bit about the uh, where the ACC is right now uh, with Duke and, and of course Wake Forest. Good Lord Almighty, who thought they would be number one in the nation? But uh, just break down the ACC a little bit for me here, Chris. Yeah. Wake Forest clearly the best team in the conference. Yeah. And we saw Wake in March. And it was hard for me to, to write then and say, yeah, they're the best team in the conference. Because you just don't know, right? It was the first ACC series. But what they've been able to do on both sides, on the pitching side and the hitting side. I mean, obviously we know in that ballpark in Winston-Salem, it's conducive to a lot of offense. Uh, but they're not giving up a lot of offense either. I think they're top four or five nationally in ERA, top four or five in, in offense. So, they're doing it with both sides. Rhett Lauder, Josh Hartle, the two guys at the front line of that rotation for Wake Forest, and the way they can just command the baseball, they're obviously the best in the league. Um, and then I thought for a long swath of the season that Virginia was the second-best team in the conference. I thought it was Wake Forest, Virginia, then a little bit of a gap. I don't so much think that anymore. I think it's Wake Forest, maybe a little bit of a gap. I think there's teams like Duke, like Virginia – I thought Louisville was going to be up there, but the Cardinals have really started to struggle. They lost another tough one last night, a 12-inning game to Vanderbilt at home. They just can't seem to get it in motion, and they're in danger of missing the ACC tournament and obviously the NCAA tournament too. And then there's some big series this weekend, like NC State and North Carolina, both those teams kind of fighting for the postseason lives. I think they're both in right now to the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament. Uh, but we're, if you talk about Durham, and getting to Durham in the ACC tournament, there's like four teams for one spot. Florida State is not going to make the conference tournament. How crazy is that? Wow. Just a really tough year for Link Jarrett and his first year as alma mater. I think they'll get it turned around, and it won't be that long because you can go to the portal and not hard to recruit baseball players to Florida State. Um, but you've got teams like Pittsburgh, like Virginia Tech, like Georgia Tech, Louisville, NC State. They're all fighting for that last spot. Uh, in the ACC tournament and be the last two spots. So it'll be a fun couple of weeks uh, as we come down the stretch to see who's going to be where. We hadn't talked about Miami. They're a fringe regional host, top eight seed kind of team like the Blue Devils are. I think Duke is probably a host, bar, barring you know going out and losing the rest of the games. I think they're going to be a top 16 seed no matter what. I think you go four and two in your last six ACC games. You beat Ryder today. You beat Gardner-Webb next week then I think you're probably in a conversation for a top eight national seed. So that's kind of the lay of the land of the ACC as I see it. It's just kind of been another one of those years where everybody beats up on everybody else. And I think when we get to June, you'll see the ACC is a pretty good league and everyone's been pretty battle-tested. I like it. Again, that voice list to uh, Chris Edwards, voice of uh, Duke University Baseball. Set up the ACC tournament for me. I know there's 14 teams in the ACC. Who's the, fi- who's the 15th member that's not in that's playing baseball? Syracuse. Syracuse, there you go. That makes, I swear I'm sitting here looking at the standings, Chris. I'm going, okay, I see all the big four. I see, uh, you know, Clemson, both Florida teams. Who am I forgetting? And that's who it is. Absolutely. Does Syracuse not I play? Mean, no, they don't play baseball. What? I guess there's not enough room in the dome for them to play baseball, too. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was that using the sarcasm font there? Yeah, uh, very much so. I mean, who wants to go to – who wants to go to Syracuse anytime, but especially in March and April? <laughs> You're right about that for sure. The best part of Syracuse, Brian, if you've never been, is leaving. I've never been. I got to tell you, I've got I've got a probably 
I'm 54, and I figure when I do formally retire and I start traveling and all that, I've got probably eight to ten things on my sports bucket list, Chris. Sincerely, I've never been to a Kentucky Derby. I want to go to a Kentucky Derby. I've never been to a Super Bowl. I'd like to go. I don't even care who the teams are. I want to go to a Super Bowl. But one of my things, and, and I've got several other things, too. But one of my things, I've, I want to go to uh, the Carrier Dome or whatever it's called now. I don't even think it's Carrier Dome anymore, but whatever it's called, I'd love to go there and watch a football game or a basketball game. Either way, I really would. And I know it's probably on the grand scheme of things, it's not that that great of a thing, but I've always, you know, always seeing it on TV and everything. I've always wanted to go there, dude. Well, if you've got, if you go, let me know. I've got some great restaurant recommendations. That's okay. How to live. Uh, of the best restaurant stops in the ACC, so I'll share that list with you. Oh, dude, I can't wait for that, and I will. I will. Yeah. Now, it's going to be it's going to be a few years. Probably going to be five, six, seven years, but uh, that's something I'm going to do before it's all said and done. But anyway, back to the ACC setup for folks who don't know. There's 14 baseball playing members of the uh, ACC. Uh, is it going to be in Charlotte again this year? Or is it in Durham? No, it's in Durham this year. All right, I know you're going to like that as a Duke guy. Yeah nice to sleep in your own bed and go to the ballpark every day (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love it well tell us uh is it the top uh is it four teams from the atlantic four teams from the coastal how does it work how many teams make it to the uh, acc tournament that would make a lot of sense wouldn't it um but it does the divisions are irrelevant which if we're if we have irrelevant divisions for those conference tournaments why do we have divisions in the first place why don't we just go by winning percentage oh wait that's what we're already doing i don't know why we have divisions (laughs) Um, so it's the top 12 teams in terms of winning percentage, oh, okay. they, conference winning percentage, they get to go to the ACC tournament. Um, and then you, you're broken up into pods. So it's, what, three-team pods, four three-team pods, if my math is right. Um, and then everybody's like a round robin. So, for example, let's say Duke is the two seed, because at the end of today, Duke would be the two seed. So let's say and I don't I don't have the bracket in front of me of who's going to be seated with who. They already got it predetermined who's in but what seeds are together. Yeah. So let's assume for Duke it's like the two, the eight, and the eleven. So all three of those teams will play, and whoever has the best record moves on to the semifinals on Saturday. Now, what happens if everybody goes one and one in the pod? Well, then the team with the higher seed, so Duke two seed, would automatically advance. So as long as everybody goes one and one. The one, two, three, and four seeds move on to the semifinals. I don't hate that because I think it, then it gives some validation to the regular season, and it shows that hey, your body of work over the thirty-eight conference games really matters. Um, so that's the way it's going to shake out, and we'll see how it goes. You know, there's good and bad to that. When Duke won the ACC tournament in two thousand and twenty-one, I think Duke was like the seven or the eight seed. So they had to go 2-0, and they beat Miami, they beat Florida State, and then they beat Virginia in the semifinals. So it gives a chance for a team who's maybe like a fringe NCAA tournament team or they're on the bubble or they need some wins. It gives a team like that a chance to get some quality RPI wins and pad their resume. The question for me is going to be how much stock does the selection committee put in the conference tournament this year? <laughs> Let's say you're a, you're a Miami or you're a Duke, a team that's thinking, okay, hey, we've got a chance to be a top eight seed or we've got a chance to, to host or whatever. Well, let's say the Blue Devils go 4-2 and two over their last six ACC games. Now you're in a pretty good position, but then you go to Durham, you go 1-1 one and one in pool play, and then you lose in the semifinals. So now you've gone 1-2 and two in the conference tournament. How much does that matter to the selection committee? How much weight are they going to put in league tournaments? I, no one knows that. They didn't put a lot of stock in it last year, and a lot of the same members are on the committee again this year. So – as I tell people, we can drive ourselves crazy thinking about all this for the postseason. 
But I think Al Davis was the one that said it best. Just win, baby. <laughs> and if you do that, then you take care of business and you don't have to worry about anything after that. Hey, how, and again, you know, I'm up to my eyeballs with prep sports here, obviously, and LCC with the great run they're making right now. And even ECU have done a lot of work out at ECU this year. So I've not been able to keep up with the ACC as much as I want to. Of course, we keep hearing you look at national polls and the SEC has five or six teams in the top 11. But the ACC has shown well with Duke and Wake and Virginia and other teams bouncing in and out. Where it, where does the ACC right now, Chris? Where does it rank in the uh, in the uh, landscape of uh, college baseball right now? I think it's the second best conference. I really do, and I think it's number two behind the SEC. And I don't think it's that big of a gap either. I think the SEC is very top heavy. Um, I think your top what five or six teams in the SEC are really really good. Um, and I think if you look top to bottom, I think the top 10, 12 teams in the ACC are pretty good. I think the ACC is going to end up getting seven or eight teams into the conference tournament. The SEC might get, I mean, the NCAA tournament, the SEC might get a little more, but I think the ACC is the, the number two league behind the SEC. And then after that, I don't know that it's close with anybody else. I think it's the ACC, the SEC, then a gap, and then you've got the other power five leagues or group of five leagues or who. I mean, baseball is so weird. I was having this conversation <laughs> with somebody last night. Like, we were talking about the Colonial, and you've got teams like Northeastern and Elon and Charleston Southern and UNCW. And you're telling me that that's only a one-bid league? Like, no, obviously, no, no, no. North, yeah. Right. Like, Northeastern is really, really good. UNCW's got a chance to, and probably should be a, a bubble at-large team. Charleston Southern, really, really good. College of Charleston, also really, really good. Like, all these teams, right, that are in the, the, the CAA, well, that's not a, a mid-major baseball league. That's a power baseball league. And it's going to get even better when Campbell joins that league next year. So I, I have a hard time being like, oh, it's the power five for baseball. Because, like, look at the American. Like, ECU, really, really good. The American is a good baseball league. There's a lot of really talented teams that year in and year out make runs in the NCAA tournament. That's not a one-bit league. So, I don't know. The, the whole term power five or whatever for baseball, I think it's a little irrelevant. Yeah, I, I would love to talk about Campbell just for a second. You guys had your way with them back on April 4th, 15 to 6. And, uh, I mean, you've actually swept them. I mean, 4 to 2 at this point. Yeah, you're done with them, right? You played them twice and that's yeah, it? we're done. Uh, that's, what I th that's what I thought. Well, I'm telling you, man, ECU's had their difficulty with Campbell, dude. Uh, are you at all surprised with them being right here in our backyard Kind of the you got to admit, kind of the little private school little brother to uh, to uh, East. I mean, well, definitely to ECU, but to Duke and you know other schools. What what has been what has been the okay? I ask you about Duke's secret to their success. What do you think has been the secret to the success of uh, the boys over Bowie's Creek? Yeah, and and well, there are another team that I don't want to see in a regional. No, I mean, you no, look at, no. you look at the projections and you see Campbell as your two seed or your three seed. You're like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, go. Go play in Chapel Hill or Raleigh or somewhere else. Don't come to Durham. Um, now, I, to answer your question, I mean, they, Justin Harris done a great job with that program, and he's found a model that really works. They, they heavily recruit the junior college ranks, and they get a lot of talented junior college players to come to Bowie's Creek, and that's really paid off for them. And they embrace this style of where they're going to run a lot, they're going to hit for you know, hit for average, hit for power, they're going to steal a lot of bases, they're going to take their hit by pitches. I mean, that's just kind of the style they play. And then they get some really, really good arms. I mean, we saw a couple of guys this week, you know, this year against Campbell out there pumping 92, 94 in the midweek. Like, embarrassment of riches, says the guy who 
as a team that's also throwing guys that they're 92, 94 in the midweek. Um, but, but, I mean, they've just got a, a wealth of talent, and we haven't even seen their weekend guys, and their weekend guys are even better than the guys they throw on the midweek. So, I mean, look, Justin Harris did a great job, and they're a team that I think sooner or later is going to find a way to, to host a regional. They're going to get to a super regional sooner or later. You know, they were in a regional final a couple years ago down in Starkville. Then a regional final last year, year before in Greenville, took ECU to the limit. Like, they're going to beat somebody one day, and they're going to get to the doorstep of Omaha. But Coach Harris got that thing rolling right now. He definitely does. Uh, again, that voice list too is Chris Edwards here live on the Brian Hanks Show as we are uh, looking at the, the landscape of uh, college baseball. And uh, I, I've got to bring it up. I mean, East Carolina started out so well this year. Uh, obviously, well, except for that nine to nothing loss uh, in Durham oh, yeah. on uh, February twenty eighth. Yeah, yeah. No, so I'm, I'm saying that Sorry. real low. <laughs> but uh, but they've kind of hit a road bump here in a little bit uh, in the in the last little stretch of games. Uh, from your and again, you're outside the bubble of uh, East Carolina being you know being the Duke guy, being the you know in the ACC. But from outside your bubble, uh, what have you observed about East Carolina? Yeah, you know it's kind of been hard to follow for me East because you've just been so like locked in on what's going on in your league exactly. and like yeah, yeah. you're playing. Um, so well, I I think they've. I mean, the, the fact that they're still in the conversation to host should, should say a lot, right? Like, yeah, they've hit some roadblocks. Yeah, they've had some speed bumps. They had a couple of tough games in the midweek, I think, in particular. Uh, and I, I think where they battled some, some injuries, too. I mean, all that's part of the, the, the season, right? Um, but look what happened last year. This is a team that won, like, what, 20 straight games down the stretch yep. to close the regular season? Like, I don't worry about ECU because Cliff has proven time and time over that this is where his teams play their best baseball. And you want to be playing your best in May and June. And I have no doubt the Pirates are going to do that. I mean, they've got a chance to have a really successful week this week. I think Old Dominion today on yep. the road, right? Yep. And then, uh, I don't know who they've got this weekend, but you're getting to that time of the year where, all right, we got to start getting some things going in the right direction. I think ECU will. They go out and have a good weekend this weekend. They find a way to win the American Championship down in Clearwater. I, I think it's the team that's probably going to host a regional. <laughs> Can we talk about how good – North Carolina and South Carolina baseball is going to be this year where you could have five or six regional hosts. And, like, look, like, I'm not taking anything away from, from anybody else. And people who are like, oh, the sky is falling. Well, give Cliff some credit, man. Like, Dude, what he's done, he, I'm he's going allowed. To yeah, I'm going to interrupt you because you're absolutely positively right, Chris. And and it is. It's, it's so frustrating. And, yes, I'm outside the bubble. I do work. I, in fact, we talked earlier in the show in our first hour. I receive a check from ECU uh, once a month, so I should probably be, you know, a little more biased than I probably am. But, uh, but the job that Cliff has done there, and he does it year in year out, and they have they hit a speed bump, and then it's these uh, the sky is fall- the chicken little people is what I call mm-hmm. them, Chris. Uh, you know, the the sky is falling. Oh my God, uh, air, you know, the baseball team is falling apart. We're not even going to make the NCAA tournament and blah, blah, blah. And then all he does every year is host a regional, make it to a super regional and, you know, win 40, 45 games every year, but it's not enough, man. It's not enough, but it's uh, Memphis that's in town this weekend. A, uh, mid, mid middling, uh, Memphis team is 26 and 22 overall eight and 10 in the AAC. But I guess that's my next question about ECU to you is we know how tough the ACC is. Obviously we know how tough the sec is and even like you said uh, uh oh my gosh i'm blitzing on the conference at unc uh, caa the the caa mm-hmm. is a good conference 
can't really say that. And, and I'm not denigrating ECU at all, definitely. But AAC, not exactly uh, one of the first conferences that come to mind when you think about college baseball, is it? No, not this year. I think historically it has been. But, I mean, there's been a lot of historical powers that have really struggled this year. I mean, Tulane, usually really, really good, and they're having a tough year. Cincinnati's usually a little bit better than they are. UCF, kind of the same thing. I mean, but if you're East Carolina, you can't control that. You can't control who's having a good year and who's having a bad year in your league. Um, so you just got to go out and win and play who's in front of you and let the committee and let the RPI and all that other stuff worry about it itself, right? Um, because what are you going to do? Like, you can't change conferences in the middle of the season <laughs> because you're playing. I mean, I'm sure some people would like to change conferences the way things are going here lately. Um, but you can't control who who you're playing. You can just control every day. Try to win the day. I mean, this is going to sound so cliche, so coach speak. You know, turn today into that, that one-game battle, right? And fight like crazy to win it and try to fight and win the next day. And if you do that, you're going to like where you're at at the end of the season. If I'd have known this is where you were going with this, Chris, I would have had some inspirational music behind you, you know, like, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. And then have it start swelling as you're finishing, you know. And then when you finish talking, and it's just like it bursts out there. Da, 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 da. What do you think? Everyone's then ready to go outside and hit a baseball 400 feet and win a game, right? <laughs> Motivational go. speech from the coach. I love it. I love it. Listen, uh, we got Chris Edwards here on the line with us right now. And just, again, one of the good guys and very grateful to have him join us here from Duke University uh, Baseball. However, I want to switch lanes a little bit. And I ask your permission uh, when we were texting this morning because I didn't want to just spring this question on you. But <laughs> as everybody knows in our neck of the woods, I mean, one of the most beloved voices definitely in uh, East Carolina history and in Eastern North Carolina we all loved us some Jeff Charles, and and uh, sadly, very sadly, he passed away down in New Orleans uh, during basketball season. And uh, again, I talk about you, Chris, and about you know you meet Chris Edwards, you love Chris Edwards. He's just one of those guys. Same thing with Jeff Charles. Jeff Charles made everybody around him feel like they were the most important person in the world. You want to talk about? I guarantee you this, dude. You cut his arm purple and gold blood would come pouring out that man loved, no loved ecu well we're now in this uh stage where they're they're looking obviously i mean it, it, they've, they've taken their time with this ecu has but they're looking to replace him and i gotta tell you and you and i've had private conversations but you are one of the names that are out there to uh i hate to even say replace jeff charles because i don't know if he can ever be replaced it's like trying to replace woody durham up in uh at, at carolina i mean yeah uh i can't even remember it is sad i can't remember his name uh who's the gentleman that has been doing uh, Carolina baseball and football. Oh, ba well, Jones Angel does. Uh, yeah, football Jones and Angel. Thank you. Football and basketball. And, and Jones does a good job, but he's not Woody Durham. You know what I mean? And I think he would even be the first to admit that. Anyway, I just wanted to give you a platform. I know you are one of the voices or one of the names that I've heard bandied about in, uh, in Greenville and throughout Eastern North Carolina. Uh, I just wanted to just give you a chance just to uh, address uh, here on the air. Uh, just the, the thought of maybe coming into Greenville and uh, being the guy that uh, replaces Jeff Charles. Well, thanks. But first off, no, nobody's going to replace Jeff Charles, to your point. I mean, Je Jeff is one of the best people, one of the best broadcasters that you've ever wanted to meet. You talk about, you know, a broadcaster's broadcaster, that, that's Jeff Charles. Yeah. Um, and when I was a student at ECU, Jeff was so kind to me, did a lot for me that he didn't have to do. And even uh, post my time in Greenville, Jeff was, Really, really good to me. Good friend, a great mentor. 
uh, we like to be colleagues uh, on some of the ESPN Plus games that I've done where he's doing the game on radio, I was doing the game on TV. And that was pretty special to me, too. I wish, you know, in hindsight, um, but I cherished it a little bit more. You know, you, you never know, right? Um, so, to that point, no one's ever going to replace Jeff. Jeff is always going to be the voice of the Pirates, and whoever, whoever the next person is, is, they shouldn't try to be Jeff because they're not going to be. They should just be their own person, right? And let the chips fall where they may and, and whatever. Uh, as far as my involvement, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I, obviously, I love Greenville. I love ECU. It's a place where I spent a lot of time and, and been fortunate to come back and work and do a bunch of ESPN Plus games for, for those pe- for those great people. So if it works out great, uh, I'm really happy doing what I'm doing in Durham. So we'll see where the chips fall, but uh, there's no one that's going to be able to replace Jeff Charles. And it's like I said, I mean, and listen, you know, we're pulling for you. There's a couple other candidates in there too. And we're not going to mention any names here, but one in particular that, you know, we're pretty close to, uh, that, uh, has a very good chance at it. But I got to tell you, by God, Chris Edwards ends up in Greenville. Uh, Brian Hanks. And I guess I'm referring to myself in the third person here, Chris, but Brian Hanks in the Brian Hanks show. And, uh, there's this kid named Scott Whittington. He may just, his head might explode. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. There's obviously a lot, a lot of good goes into these kind of things. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm really happy doing what I'm doing in Durham. And hopefully this baseball thing with Duke can keep going for another couple months. Well, there you go. Well, good luck in, on that path for sure. But, uh, and thank you for, uh, uh, for talking about this. I mean, this could have been something you'd been like, you know what, Brian, I'd rather not, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I, I appreciate you taking a couple minutes and, and, yeah. uh, and addressing those rumors, Chris Edwards. Yeah. Well, you, <laughs> rumors are, Rumor mill is a lot of fun, and it's weird to be part of the rumor mill. This is, I think, the first time that's ever happened to me. <laughs> there you, you go. Know? There you go. <laughs> we uh, talk about the coaching carousel. Now this is the broadcasting carousel, right? Yeah, there you go. You're absolutely right about that. I'll tell you what, I've got to pay a bill here real quick. If you can stand by just for a second, my friend. You got it. And, uh, hey, it's your favorite, UNC Lenore Healthcare. No, I'm just joking, dude. UNC <laughs> Lenore Healthcare, they are the exclusive sponsor of the big interview every day here on the Brian Hanks Show. Nestled in the heart of Lenore County right here in Kinston, UNC Lenore Healthcare's mission is to ensure exceptional health care for the people it serves. When the medical staff of more than 100 physicians, UNC Lenore Healthcare offers a range of specialty services and technology you would only expect to find in hospitals in larger cities. Visit UNC Lenore Healthcare at 100 Airport Road right here in Kinston for all your health care needs or call them at 252-522-7000. You can also email them at info at Lenore.org or visit their comprehensive website at unclenore.org. And again, thank you to Beverly Jenkins, all the folks over at UNC Lenore Healthcare for being the exclusive sponsor of the big interview. We're going to get back to our big interview with uh, Chris Edwards here in just a moment. also want to thank all our day one sponsors, Lenore Community College, UNC Lenore Healthcare, GoEco Office Automation. You heard them in the last uh, hour. Spence Automotive. We're on the Spence Automotive guest line right now with uh, Chris Edwards. To Woodman Life and then finally to Arundel Parrot Academy, the largest independent non-sectarian college prep school in the region. Listen, Parrot Academy students receive acceptances from colleges and universities across the country and around the world. Give them a call at 252-522-4222 or visit their beautiful campus at 1901 Dobbs Farm Road in Kinston. And thank you to David Moody, all the folks over to Rendell Parrot Academy for uh, being one of our day ones. And again, let's get back to our UNC Lenore Healthcare big interview. It is uh, one of the good guys, uh, Chris Edwards, joining us here on uh, the Spence Automotive guest line. Did I did I did I get enough sponsors in there in, in a couple of breaths, dude? I think you need a few more sponsors. <laughs> we should encourage all of the people in Kenton and Lenore County to sponsor 
the premier sports radio show in the region, the Brian Hank Show. Dude, I love that. Man, I, I'm going to clip that. You mind if I if I clip that? Oh. And, yeah, do the do the hi. I'm Chris Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening too. There you go. But uh, Chris Edwards joined us now, and uh, on top of that too, uh, he 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 must have been a floating around the studio here. And joining us uh, live, uh, hey, Chris Edwards, I've said this many times, and I know your gorgeous wife is arguably, oh, arguably your biggest fan. I'm not sure she is, though, Chris, because... No, she, she she's definitely not. She's, <laughs> look, we were all for exams last week, and I was home, and she's like, don't you have a game to go to? Can you just go somewhere? <laughs> I love it. Well, guess who, guess who would never say that to you, Chris Edwards? I'm guessing it's Scott Whittington. I've got Scott Whittington. He heard that I have Chris Edwards on the show, and uh, he scampered from wherever it was he was in Kinston to get over here to get live in my studio so he could say hello to you and ask you a couple of questions. Well, he must not have anything better to do with his day then. Uh, Listen, I'm going to tell on him a little bit, and I mean this in a good way. I've told you this before, Chris, but for folks who maybe haven't heard it here on the show, and, you know, we love Scott. We pick on Scott, but Scott's a good sport about everything, but – I'm not joking, and this is not hyperbole. I'm not just saying it because you're here on the air with me right now. We've said it when you're not on the air with us, okay? But you'll be doing a game, and I'll get a text from Scott, and he'll say, tune in now. You got Tune in now to the Duke. Chris is, Chris is calling the Duke game. You've got to tune in now. Dude, if, I wish I had a dollar for every time he's done that because I could buy you uh, a nice steak dinner at the Angus Barn, okay? <laughs> well, as I've said before, check is in the mail. <laughs> there you go. Scott <laughs> Whittington, say hello to your, your hero. What's going on, Chris? Hello, Scott. Great to hear from you, buddy. Good to hear from you, too. Surely you've got – this is your opportunity, Scott Whittington, to stretch your sports talk wings here. You've got a couple of questions for uh, for Mr. Edwards. Yeah, just one um, – I, I haven't been listening, so I don't know if y'all covered this already. But, uh, well, go ahead, ask but, you. There, but, we've got people that just tuned in right now probably. I got you. Yeah. Well, a big series this weekend for the Blue Devils, Chris, the, towards the end of the season. What's, what, what are some things the, the Blue Devils got to look out for from the Yellow Jackets, and what are some – what are some keys to taking care of business this weekend? Yeah, you got to figure out a way to slow their, their offense down, Scott. And that's easier said than done, right? Because they're one of the best offenses, not just in the conference, but in the country. Uh, and they've got guys that are putting together all-American type seasons. I watch them a little bit kind of on the periphery, trying to get ready for other games and watch other teams. But I haven't really done a deep dive into Georgia Tech yet. I'll do that uh, tomorrow after we finish up with Ryder tonight. But I can tell you it's a typical Georgia Tech, Danny Hall coach team. <laughs> they're going to score a bunch of runs. And they're going to give up a bunch of runs. Uh, that's kind of what they do uh, there in Midtown Atlanta. And that's another offensive ballpark. So I think the key for the Blue Devils is going to be, hey, keep the ball in the ballpark. Don't let them score a bunch of runs. But also keep doing what they're what Duke's doing offensively. They're putting up runs in bunches last night, notwithstanding. But they've been putting up runs in bunches, and they've been good late in ball games. So if they can keep doing that against a really talented Georgia Tech team, you feel pretty good about your chances. I mean, this is, as told Brian, a really big series for Duke. I feel like you need to get two probably this weekend. You don't want to have to go to Miami next weekend needing to win the series or sweep. It's like you got to sweep that series or win it to be a top eight seed. Uh, like I said, I think if Duke goes four and two over the last six ACC games, you're probably feeling pretty good about being at home at Coombs uh, for the regional and the super regional. But that's putting the cart way before the proverbial horse, right? So just got to worry about trying to beat Ryder today and then take care of that really pesky Georgia Tech team this weekend. 
Yeah, a listener to our show knew that, you, you know, we mentioned in the first hour that you were coming on, and he's one of our faithful listeners. He's probably, I'm sure he's listening right now, Greg Clemens. Big NC State guy, and, of course, uh, Scott rolled his eyes when he sent in a message to the show and said, yeah, Ryder 2, Duke 1. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, okay. Hey, you know how well, those NC State people are, though, dude. Well, let, let, me, let me also say that at least the Blue Devils played last night and the game was not canceled for inclement weather when it was a beautiful night in Raleigh and in Durham. <laughs> you know, Chris, glad you bring that up. They, they have – the state, for some reason, has a thing with that when it was just uh, – Damp on the outfield grass a couple years ago. They Man, decided y'all to, are trying to. They decided yeah, Clemens, to postpone. Mr. Clemens, send me a message. Keep they, going. They Scott. postponed the game against East Carolina. Didn't even make it. Okay, we're not going <laughs> to dive into this argument, with Chris, between postpone and cancel. They said postpone, but never made the game up because right. it sprinkled in the outfield a little bit, <laughs> and they were scared outfield that players were going to slip wow. and fall. You what, know you're going to see Mr. Clemens here in, a, what, in just a couple hours, do, do right? Do they cancel class at State when the, when the grass is down? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I want to ask Greg Clemens that. Oh, my God. Sorry. I'm not even going to make you respond to that, Chris. No, I am Chris, ask you don't you have this. to. Chris, I am going to ask you this. Uh, I was just perusing the uh, Duke <laughs> schedule, and I was like, I wanted to see how Duke did against State this year. What in the world? How is Duke and State, which are, what, just 20 miles away from each other, probably less than that, how are they not playing each other this year? Well, that's a great question. Remember our whole conversation about divisions and how divisions are irrelevant in baseball? Well, you can thank the divisions for this. State's in the the Atlantic, Duke's in the Coastal. So uh, State and Duke are not permanent rivals. The permanent rivals that the Blue Devils have every year are Wake Forest, and North Carolina, which the North Carolina would make sense, right? But how about this? Duke has not been to NC State to play a three-game series in Raleigh since 2016. What? Now, I, a little bit of clarification to that. We were supposed to go over there in 2021 and play at NC State, and the Wolfpack had some COVID issues, and the series ended up getting canceled. That was part of that weird time, right, where oh, yeah. everybody was – yeah. Um, but we have not been to NC State to play a three-game series since 2018. State's been to Coombs twice in 2018, and then last year they were at the DBAP. I think it was the DBAP last year. It might have been at, at Coombs. I can't remember, but State's been to Durham twice since we've been to Raleigh in 2016. That is the most illogical thing I it, that makes zero – and I know you're on my side here, Chris. I'm not even asking you to take sides because I know yeah. you're on my side. Yeah. The ACC has to fix that. I mean, Duke and – Duke State – I mean, the big four should play each other every year. They should – In every sport. In every sport. In every sport. Absolutely. And for Duke and NC State not to play each other in baseball, that is insanity, insanity to me. And I bet there's a lot of Duke fans that feel that way, aren't there? I'm sure there are. I haven't talked to a lot of people about it, but I feel that way. I mean, someone who has grown up here, who grew up outside of Raleigh, like that they should play every year in every sport. And the fact that they have, they don't play the fact that we've had players come through here and go their entire four year career and have never gone to, to Raleigh. Like I can understand not going to ball, not going to Boston or not going to South Bend or, or whatever. Right. But not to go to Raleigh, like, come on, these guys go to Raleigh every weekend. Right. It's not like it's that far. You know, you can't tell me there's not a way that maybe you even schedule them as a midweek game and and call it a non-conference game. You know what I'm saying? And just yeah, I mean, 
Because I, I guarantee I to... you the ticket counters would be very happy with that because you know you would have your, your rabid NC State fans that would show up at the DBAP or even uh, a bunch of Duke fans that would show up in, in Raleigh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me that these two teams do not play each other every single year. Well, dude, that's my – I've been thinking about adding some new things to the show. Uh, you know, dude, we're three and a half years in and still pretty much doing the same thing for the most part. I, I've been thinking about adding a hot take of the day, uh, you know, just you know, just this little two-minute, three-minute thing. Get somebody to sponsor it, of course. Uh, mm. uh, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the – The sp- premier sports talk show in the region. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm clipping that again. Uh, but, you know, the hot that would be the hot take. And I don't even think that's a hot take. How in the hell are Duke and NC State not playing each other in baseball? Even if it's a midweek – I'm doing air quotes here – midweek uh, non-conference game, Duke and State should play every year, Chris. They should. Absolutely. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Now, don't get me started on my hot takes. I could give you a week's worth of hot takes. Give me one. Give me one. Oh, college baseball replay. Okay. I hate it. Hate it. So, we are all about getting the calls right. And I appreciate what we're trying to do, get the calls right, all that kind of stuff. The, The games mean too much. There's too much money involved. Replay is a necessity. Yes, we should have replay. We should have a better replay system than what we have. So in the ACC, the crew chief and the umpire closest to the play are the two that go back to review the play. Well, for me, if the crew chief is involved in the call, if it's a play at second base, stolen base, and second base umpire calls the runner out and you go to review, the crew chief then should not be allowed to go back to be part of the review because he was involved in the play. And it gives to me an appearance of bias. Whether there is bias or not bias, that is relevant. It's just the appearance of it. So the crew chief should not be involved in the replay. Number two, why do we have to huddle? Why do all the umpires have to get together and have a convention to talk about it before we go back and review? Like We know what we're challenging. We know if the play is reviewable or not. And we know who the umpires are that are going back. So with all that being said, there should be no reason to huddle. And then we get back underneath the hood and it takes five minutes to figure out what's going on. Now, I understand that sometimes it might take a little bit longer to get the replay feed up there. But come on. People did not pay their money to come to the ballpark to watch baseball players stand around and talk to each other. No, I like, agree. And listen, I'm going to give you – and I'm thinking you were there, Scott. Uh, ECU had one of those where – and I wish I could remember. It was a play somewhere – it may have been at second base. So they appeal it. Whoever appealed it. So they go under the hood. Let me finish. So they go under the hood. They come, like you said, they huddle up. They go under the hood. They come back out. They make a call. And then the other, there's something else was appealed about that particular place. So they went right back. Yeah, you're shaking your head, uh, uh, Scott. They went back under the hood again. It ended up being, get ready for this, Chris, 11 minutes. It was an 11-minute delay in in the Fourth inning of a conference game against Tulane at uh, Clark LeClaire, 11 minutes to resolve one play that ultimately didn't really have – it didn't have that much of an effect on the game. But 11 minutes of a two-hour and 45-minute game wasted under the hood, Chris. Well, if you can't tell us in the first two minutes, it should be call stands and let's move on. I, that's, that's my number one. Number two, we should go to a centralized replay. And whether that's you take one umpire off the field and let them just handle the replays or you run it through the conference office. I mean, look, the SEC 
has got it right because the umpire tells the crowd what the call is being reviewed because right now nobody has any clue what's being reviewed, right? Yeah. So it needs to be a way where, A, the umpires can tell everybody in the stadium what's being reviewed. Number two, uh, we need to go to a centralized replay to take the appearance of bias out of it. And I was talking to some ACC umpires and some other folks about this recently, and everybody in our league seems to be all for centralized replay. We're just waiting on our friends at the conference office to, to mandate something like this. Well, it's uh, Scott, you got anything to add? Uh, no, I was just going to say, um, speaking about the two-lane situation. It, yeah, you were there. I forgot yeah, you were it, there. It was yeah. the, the runner was they, – they were challenging. The runner was called out at second for two lanes still in the base. Yeah. They overturned that. The umpire comes out, comes down the line, and I'm on the scoreboard that day, and he yells, three twos the count. That's what it was, I had, Chris. On the scoreboard, Chris. on the scoreboard, I had two two. Our book had two two. <laughs> the the guy, the student managers in front of us had two two. Cliff had two two. Tulane had two two. They're arguing that. So the umpire is yelling at me to throw three two on the board. So I threw it on the board. They had to go back into the booth to review what the count was. So you're telling me on your clicker. Seriously, Chris, that's it. I'm glad I've got Scott in here. That's right. Scott was on the scoreboard. I was on the PA for that game. They had to go in. So after five minutes of trying to figure out, well, did they – in fact, it may have only been three or four minutes, Scott, of trying to figure out, did the guy get thrown out? Uh Well, was the count on the batter 2-2 or was it 3-2? I'm not joking, Chris. He spent – tell me if I'm exaggerating, Scott – five to six minutes trying to figure that out under the hood, dude. The the figuring out what the count was took longer than yep. figuring out was that runner out or safe still in the bag. Your retort, well, your retort, Chris Edwards. Well, that's just a bigger issue about the state of umpiring as a whole. I think in a lot of these conferences, I mean that that's bad. I mean, does no one have an indicator? I mean, come <laughs> on, like if somebody on the field should have had a ball strike indicator, it should have been the home plate umpire. And, but and I'm amazed at the number of umpires who do not use clickers or indicators to tell you what the count to, to take take the count. You can't look at the scoreboard because it's not always accurate. I know it is in Greenville when Scott's on it, but it's, it's not always accurate. I appreciate that, so, Chris. Yeah, there you go. You well, should clip it, that one, too. There you go. I will clip that one, yeah, too. I, I, say, like clip that. That. I like that. Okay, listen. God, man, uh, we've got like four minutes left, and I've got two big questions that I wanted to ask you. Uh, number one, the big story of the day here in Kenson, Chris, and I know you're a minor league but not You're a baseball fan in general, whether it's college, high school, uh Minor leagues, major leagues, and all that, but just the sad news that has come out today that uh, we're losing the Wood Ducks. Uh, the Wood Ducks right. have been sold. They're going to be moved to Spartanburg, South Carolina. I just want, as a baseball fan in general, Chris, I just wanted your response to that or your thoughts on that. Yeah, and I haven't read a whole lot about it. I saw some of that news either late last night or early this morning. <clears throat> I saw something, and my first reaction was just sadness. You know, that one of the, the, the best minor league communities in our country is losing baseball. And you think about the time where, you know, all the way back to the K-Tribe, right, back in the day, and that's where I first kind of got to know what was going on in Kenton there at Historic Granger Stadium. And it's just really sad. I mean, it's sad that minor league baseball has come to this. And a lot of it we can thank Rob Manford for in the way that he has just gutted minor league baseball as a whole and really changed the game. Um, it, it's just it, – it's a sad day for everybody in eastern North Carolina because – Man, going to Granger Stadium, I have some fond memories of going down there when I was younger watching baseball. and It's just sad that the next generation is not going to be able to do that. Well, it just – I'm telling you, we are just – it's been coming. I mean, it, it, 
it's something we said in the first hour. And for folks, if you, we're not going to uh, keep going on it because we talked for 20 minutes about it in the first hour of today's show. Go to brianhanks.com. You can hear Junior Smith the third, Scott Whittington, and I talk about it. You just heard Chris Edwards, the voice of Duke baseball, talking about it too. The second big thing I wanted to talk to you about, and well, this will be my last question to you, dude, is la- you're big in prep sports too. I mean, is it, you just have your hands in a lot of stuff. And the announcement last week, it, and I hadn't even heard it was coming down the pike. But uh, name, image, likeness, NIL coming to the NCHSAA uh, July the 1st if it doesn't get defeated in the state legislature. And, again, I mean, you've dealt with it in, uh, in college athletics with, uh, with everything that's going on over at Duke and in the ACC. And I just wanted your opinion on it uh, at the prep level, Chris Edwards. Your thoughts on NIL in uh, high school athletics? Yeah, I don't, I don't hate it because I think the average NIL deal when I write is going to be like, what, 60, 60 to $100 yep. for everybody? Yep. Yep. And, and I don't think it's going to be anything crazy. I, I think the association has put in some safeguard measures that, that there, it doesn't hurt amateurism or eligibility. And if it is, they're going to address those on a case-by-case basis. But look, like if the local mom-and-pop go-to eatery in whatever small town North Carolina wants to give the starting quarterback on the football team a free meal every week if they will post something on their Twitter or Instagram, what's wrong with that? Like, these kids are going to eat there anyways, and they're going to post something on social media, so why not get a little bit of a free meal for it? You know, like, I was a high school kid once. I'd love it if Chick-fil-A sponsored me or something. You know, if Avis for a restaurant and Garner wanted to, to sponsor Chris Edwards, who's still accepting NIL deals, by the way. Um <laughs> But no, like I don't, I don't see the harm in it. Now, I do think, and I'm not, I am anti-political, but I do think that our state legislature could spend better time, a better use of their time, worrying about the bigger issues in North Carolina than messing with high school sports. Because there's nothing wrong with what the NCHSA is doing. There are stand-up people in that organization, and it's just sad that our legislature is taking it upon themselves to try and gut high school athletics when there's nothing wrong with the way high school athletics are being run right now. Well, there you go. That is Chris Edwards. And, dude, we hit everything. I had a list of 11 things. By God, we hit everything I wanted to talk to you about, dude. That's the first time ever, Brian. It is the first time ever. I love. Well, we had you a little bit longer than we usually do, too, though, so that helped out. Chris, you were the absolute best. Let me raise the curtain here. I had uh, someone from the Wood Ducks that was going to come on the show today. It, of course, with everything that went on, it fell through. I called my, or I messaged my boy Chris Edwards. I didn't even realize you were in the middle of doing the Ryder game last night when I sent you this. And you graciously, like you always do, said, heck yeah, I'll come on, dude. And then you give us a whole hour. Chris, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming in and uh, helping us out here today, dude. Always good to be with you. I hope we get a chance to see each other in person soon. Absolutely. I I do, too. Chris Edwards, thank you, my friend. Scott, say goodbye. See you, Chris. See you, guys. Take care. Have a good day. There you go. That's Chris Edwards, Duke University. What a good guy, dude. One of the best. One of the good guys, for sure. I just, I think, and that's no joke. And I like, like I said, I like racing. We didn't plan this interview out two weeks ago. I messaged him last night at 8.50 when my other interview fell through. And what did he say? Yes, and that gives us a whole hour. That's awesome. He's one of the good guys. He is, absolutely. Okay, tomorrow, Sugar Shane Albee will be on in our first hour. We're going to get some of these winning prep uh, sports coaches on with us tomorrow, too. Uh, We're going to have you a great show. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. Scott Whittington and I will see you tomorrow on the Brian Hanks Show, presented by Lenore Community College. Woo! (laughs)